Hey, what's going on, No Bad Dog Army? Tom Davis here, host of the award-winning Top Charting No Bad Dogs podcast, the podcast where we love living, of course. We work with dogs. Uh, by the way, you guys, we just hit over 100 episodes here on the podcast, which is excellent. If you guys haven't noticed, I've um, been committed to the podcast probably, well, I've been doing it for a couple of years now, on and off. Sometimes I'd go months without posting, and since pretty much early December, I have been posting twice a week, every Monday and Wednesday, so thank you guys. I can see the numbers and the people hopping on here and uh, listening to me talk about dogs with other people, so thank you guys so much. And This is a great podcast for anybody, as you guys saw in the title, for reactivity. This is a this just a I would call it like the the dog reactivity blueprint. I mean, this is something that we work on every single day with a lot of different dogs and this is just a dismantle of how do you where do you when do you start? How do you start? All that stuff on dog reactivity uh, with a German shepherd named Heidi. So I think this is going to be really helpful for you guys for anybody out there any dogs and dog owners and trainers and rescue people working with reactive dog. I think this is going to give you a lot of complexity and a different uh, variation of what it is and what it means, where it comes from, and more more importantly, uh, how to overcome it and, and, and help the dog. So I hope you guys enjoy this podcast. If you haven't yet, do not forget to join the official No Bad Dog Members Club. If you enjoy my YouTube videos, you'll love the Members Club. It's the full-length, uncut version of the videos that you're seeing on YouTube. The YouTube videos are 20 minutes. The uncut versions are an hour and 30, sometimes two hours. So you can click the link in the uh, description below to check it out. Let's get into the podcast. So we have a three-year-old female German Shepherd. She's been fixed. We adopted her as a rescue in November 2019. Her history that we were told was, as a puppy, she was not socialized. She was kept in a crate in the garage mm -hmm. due to a divorce, etc. Mm -hmm. um, until she was probably about, a, no, she was younger than a year. She was about I want to say about seven months old, the grandparents took her. They had two German shepherds. They couldn't handle her. Then she went into rescue mm -hmm. for about four months and was fostered. And then we adopted her. Okay. So, so she, yeah, she'd been bounced around. Yep. And so we've had German shepherds before, but Heidi is highly intelligent and is, is quite, is a bit of a challenge for us. Her biggest issue that we have is leash, leash aggression to other dogs, walking. Um, okay. When, when people come over, she's excited, but she will calm down and, and accept them and ignore them in the house. The biggest problem is leash aggression, trying to walk her. Okay. And her, her other issue is she is shadow obsessed. Mm -hmm. Like a cat, like a cat, um, hunting mm -hmm. a lady. Yeah. Yeah. And they did, we were told they, the foster kid people, kids were playing with her with a laser till the parents told them to knock it off. Yeah. So that's okay. our brief. History. Now, okay. The other, the other thing, Tom, is like we take her to a particular dog park. It's 42 acres and it's fenced. Wow. And we take her out there and, off leash and she's 
great with other dogs. Mm. I mean, she'll play and everything of that nature. It's just that when she's on leash, that's when she goes ballistic. Right. Okay. So she, so to recap, she's, she's good with other dogs off leash. She's good with people when they come over. She's just excited. Um, you guys haven't had any particular behavioral problems with her. Um, and that's, well, in, in the beginning, like for the first three months, she would nip me on my arms mm-hmm. to the point I had, she never drew blood, but I had bruises all up and down my forearms. And the, the rescue lady had me work with the Dogtra yep. at, as a deterrent with that. Yeah. I did that for a little bit till she stopped and then I quit using the Dogtra. Okay. So did so she doesn't do that anymore. Right. No, okay. not not to us. When people come over, if she gets really excited, she'll sometimes nip them in the top of the hand. Okay. Okay. Got it. Um, okay. So, okay. So right now, you're 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 just dealing with the leash uh, reactivity. That's what it sounds like to me. Is your your biggest concern is just your leash reactivity. Yes. Okay. Got it. All right. So when you're let, let's just go over. So the 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 chasing of the shadows things makes sense to me. That's a that happens when you when you do lasers. That's why I tell people. I, I I've seen a lot of dogs ending, um, or uh, starting to get like obsessed with the shadows because of the laser. That's why I tell people not to do it because I've seen a lot of dogs go through this obsessive shadow type thing because of that so um there's not much you can do about the that type of stuff just because it's i mean if you think about it how how imprinted it is where if 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 a dog was chasing a laser and it's it's to them they don't know the difference between a shadow and a laser pointer right so they're still playing laser tag basically when everything when something moves so like i said there's it's hard for you to to discourage that other than just verbally telling her to knock it off or maybe just pulling her away from the situation. But it's hard because she's just, it's almost like a prey drive. She's just, she's just playing. Yeah. It's embedded in her right now. So yeah, it is. It's tough. So anyway, um, there's that. But I, I think as far as the leash reactivity goes, you know, a lot, just to kind of break down what leash reactivity is for most dogs historically leash reactivity at its core is is exactly what it sounds like is the dog is only reactive on the leash and that is usually predicated off of a couple different things is frustration because they see something and they want to go and see it they want to get to it because maybe they were overly socialized when they were a puppy meaning sometimes people will let their dogs go up and see all the dogs no matter what, which I think is an unhealthy socialization because it's not realistic because once they get six months and older, once they become bigger, then they can't go see every dog. So then they get reactive, right? Because then they sit at the end of the leash and they bark and they whine and they get upset until the owner says, okay, fine, shut up, you know, basically throwing the iPad at the baby type thing. So, and, and then there's just the, just overall frustration of, not typically being on the leash and then being held back and then just a vocalization out of frustration immediately. So 
and that's probably what you guys are dealing with more than likely just because of the the overall nature of the dog. She's nice. She's friendly. She's great with dogs off leash. She's good with people when they come in. She doesn't have like this aggressive tendency or habits. She's just reactive. So really what you have to do is you have to understand that that's why, you know, that's probably why it's happening. And from here, the best thing to do is just kind of counter it with some obedience and counter it with some engagement, um, which are two separate things. So right now, how how is your obedience with Heidi on the leash when you ask her when you ask her to do something outside? Oh, um, if there's no other distraction, like no squirrels or rabbits, mm-hmm. and other people, she will sit. She'll I can we can both get her to sit stay. We have a thirty foot lead, thirty foot or sixty mm-hmm. foot. I don't know. It's a 30-foot lead. I can walk to the end and then tell her to come, but she'll sit there. If there's distractions around, it's right. not so... Yep, so that, yeah, that's what I was distinguishing is, is so really the obedience isn't great outside because, of course, there's always going to be distractions. And in the context of being leash reactive, of course, when it comes down to the actual problem, of course, there's going to be another dog, which then creates the frustration. So what I would suggest is when you're, when you have, and I see this a lot with, again, like with puppies is they get very leash reactive, especially with like a vocal, a vocal breed, right? So you get a shepherd or any type of vocal breed that that's just overly stimulated and they vocalize huskies, et cetera. So that's where your obedience comes in because right now, let me just paint you a picture of what I am hearing as a professional uh, professional is when you, when you go out with her, you don't have good enough obedience to handle her in reality. Meaning when you ask her to do something, when there's minor distractions, she will check out, not listen and disengage and not do anything that you want her to do. And, uh, as soon as you go out, you, you also don't have a, you don't have any behaviors or you don't have any obedience to teach her not to react. So it's like a kid when you go outside or you go out into public and you're really upset with your kid because they won't say please and thank you, but the, you've never taught them how to do it. Okay. So you can't, so my point is, is oftentimes people will say, my dog is, you know, reactive on the leash, right? So, okay, you can't just turn it off. There's a reason why it's happening and there's things that you have to do there's an, there's an order of things that you have to do in order to reduce that reactivity. It's not just a secret thing or this one particular thing that you just start doing and then all of a sudden the leash reactivity goes away. It's a, it's a two things is it's a, it's a layered project of things that you'll have to do with each other in conjunction kind of in tandem. And you have to also understand why the behavior is happening in the first place. And so here's what typically happens. So you guys get her out. She's on a leash. She's in front of you. She's maybe not necessarily pulling, but she's disengaged. She's in front of you. She's sniffing. She's looking side to side. She is prowling. She's not reactive at that time. You guys are kind of just trailing. 
and then she sees a dog, she gets stimulated, her ears perk up, her shoulders perk up, she gets excited, she starts to bounce, she starts to get vocal, she starts to kind of get excited, and then you guys are kind of pulling her back, and then she wah, 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 and then reacts to the end of the leash. I'm not saying that's exactly what's happening with you guys because I don't know. I'm just saying right. tip, typically that's what happens. So you don't have a good heel, you don't have a good leave it, and you don't have good engagement, which are three things that can really help you dismantle any type of buildup proactively before it even gets to the reactive state. Okay. Does that make sense? Yeah. And that's, that's probably, I would say you're about 90% spot on. <laughs> yeah. Describing her. Okay. So let's talk about a couple, because I, I'm not too, con so, so when we have these conversations, I, you know, I'm not too concerned with, well, maybe she's, fearful or maybe she's you know who knows what she wants to go do really it's pretty cut dry here is it sounds like she just sees another thing so it could be squirrel dog neighbor she really likes and she just hits the end of the leash and goes hey let me go let me go let me go let me go and that's basically she's like i gotta go see i gotta go see and so it, it there's two big things it's just this is what i want you to do alternatively so think about it in human psychology it might make it might make it more helpful for you guys is if you pull into the Disney parking lot and two young kids see a Mickey Mouse statue six football fields away in the parking lot and they start sprinting at Mickey Mouse. Like, what do, you, do, do they understand you at all? Do, can you say, get back here? Can you say, you have to hold my hand? <laughs> like, can you do, you know what I'm saying? Do you have the things to to tell the thing that you're responsible for and in your case which would be Heidi do you have those things where the kids or the dog turns around and goes oh i'm supposed to, oh yeah hold your hand i know what that is or come or heal or whatever so there's just a lot of kind of countering that you guys have to do and i think a lot of dog owners just unfortunately think well if my dog is reactive that's so i call it external problem so the reactivity is the external problem that's what you're seeing on the outside. But it's caused and created and most oftentimes fixed from internal things. Does that make sense? Yes. Yes. So where do you think you guys are falling under all that? Um, two things to let me add to what you're saying. So I was taking her, my husband was traveling a lot. So I was with Heidi mostly by myself. Mm -hmm. After Heidi was adopted, I kept going to the um, obedience training classes at the rescue. And outside the rescue, any other dogs, she was exactly how you described her. I walk in and you know how you have to sit. You have to get them to sit spaced apart. Mm -hmm. She was not reactive at all inside during obedience lessons. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, okay, so then we walk out and you go, Blah, 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 was <laughs> berserk to try to get to the car. <laughs> the other issue I think where we're having a little trouble with the obedience is continuity between the two of us. Yeah. yeah. My husband doesn't like using the prong collar. Mm -hmm. He likes you put the flat collar on. Just take his pee. I put the, I use the prong collar all the time. Mm -hmm. So 
Does that answer your question? A little bit, yeah. I, okay. I, yeah, that happens often. I mean, again, it's it's. I don't think there's much difference of, of parenting with, with dogs as there is with children, and so it's going to be the same things. There's always going to be a good cop and bad cop uh, type of scenario, and there's, you know, and there's going to be... Um, well, mom, let's be do this, and dad, let's me do this, and you know, whatever. So, of course, and, but that's something that you guys can can work on. yeah, of course, you guys can certainly work on. Just you know, saying so. It, it, one th and I always tell people, I am not in the dog business. I am in the people business. The dogs are the easiest, <laughs> easiest, easiest, easiest part. It's it. I mean, honestly, yes. if if. It, it, the dogs, it, it's like somebody comes in with a dog and the problem is going to dissolve with less than 10 minutes normally, unless you get like a very genetically unstable, abused animal, which takes a little bit more time. But anyway, my point is, is yes, this happens often. And again, it's a lot like it's a lot like parenting is you guys have to be on the same page. And I, sometimes people need to hear it. But of course, you guys need to make sure you're on the same page in order for the subject, or in this case, Heidi, the dog, uh, to listen to you guys. So I've had people, I just did a video on this recently where, so if I come out and I say, Heidi, heal, Heidi, sit, Heidi, stay, Heidi, heal, right? The way that I'm saying things. And then if you guys, and, and then you, your jaws on the floor and you guys, oh my gosh, this is crazy. Well, right. It's not really, it's, so then you take the leash and you go, Heidi, heel, heel, sit, Heidi, sit, sit, right? And you go, oh, she listens so good to you. And I go, well, we are saying technically the same thing, but to her, it is Chinese to English. It's completely different. So that's Ooh. just that's just my advice to you guys because I, I see that often as you get uh, – well, you know, Tom says it like this, and I say it like that. You just have to make sure that when you guys are saying these things that you're being consistent. That's all. Yeah, okay. So, so there's yeah. that, um, and, it, and it happens. And, and again, I've had, um, you know, over the years, I've become a marriage counselor, a family, a fa a family counselor. A, uh, there's just been, you know, it, it, that's my job is I have to get into – personalities and how people are handling and parenting and getting along at home and it just happens it's just a it's just a very natural evolution into that so anyway you guys can work that out but just remember that uh i tell people like hey your dog won't care about you if you don't care about the training so if they know that you're like frustrated or you're half-assing it or you really don't care about it they'll listen dogs can detect cancer and high blood pressure they can tell if you don't care about the training. <laughs> so just keep just keep that in mind when you guys are working with Heidi is you know, it's it's up to you guys to kind of get that straightened out. Mhm. Mm yeah. So going gotcha. back Yeah, yeah, yeah. So going back to um and I would just 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 on that, I would just keep it short and simple. So let me just touch on that really quick cuz this is a question that usually comes up often is how long should you be working? How often should you be working? And I just say get her on a leash for 10 minutes and then give her a break. And sometimes that break is four hours long. Sometimes that break is 40 minutes long and then you get her out for 10 minutes again. But what you don't want to do is overly exhaust her, get her to a point where she's just, you know, completely out of it. So just 10 minutes throughout the day, you know, six to 10 times a day more if you got time. So don't overdo it with her. Okay. Yeah. And then getting back to the obedience course type thing. So, um, 
I've seen dogs that get into like a routine where they, they, they almost kind of like, um, I don't know how to explain it, but kind of like it, some dogs will kind of shape up in, in group training class. Cause they're like, okay, this is where we train. This is where I have to listen. This is where accountability is. This is where mom and dad are on time doing all the right things, saying all the right things. And here and so there's that there's that piece to listening better inside inside of a a training environment right we get i'm in upstate new york we get people sometimes coming from oregon to chicago to maine to quebec and they come down and their their dog doesn't even their dog sleeps the whole time they're like what the heck so it's it's getting into those environments dogs like kids can kind of get shy or they can say okay i'm gonna i'm not gonna you know, be my normal self here. That happens often, maybe because of stress or overstimulation, or maybe the other dogs are calming, and I don't know. But when you go out the door to go to your car, so here, here's the thing: is like you said before, is well, when we when we go out the dog training class to get to the car, she goes crazy. Well, it, I've I've seen this happen where I go, okay, we're gonna work on heel, we're gonna work on break, we're gonna work on sit and stay, very basic things. And then you go to the door to leave, and then your dog, your dog just blasts out the door. And then you kind of punch forward, and you get frustrated, and you're like, look, this sucks. Out here is – and that's because you, you've let it happen. So people will get very frustrated when something happens instead of – so what I do is I say, whoa, 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 go back to the door. Go back to the door and reset it and then start it again. And don't let her pull you to the car, and don't let her react out of the – out of the gate like that. I think oftentimes what happens is people set their dogs up for failure by saying, okay, it's 5.59, the next group class starts at 6. I have one minute to get my dog to the car before another group of people come in or whatever, enter anything. You know, you're late for work and you got to go, whatever. And you just, you don't put the same amount of structure and discipline and care into those in-between stuff. So your dog is habitually conditioned to not care about the in-between. So when you get in the group class, she goes, okay, I got my treats. I got my leash. I'm going to behave really well for this hour. And then when I hit that door, I'm going to pull you through. And the only thing you're going to do is you're going to get frustrated and yell and scream and then get into the car and sigh and then drive home. Where I, yep. t- I, t- I tell people, no, 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 no. Don't l- bring her back. Spend spend as long as you need to, to break down that cycle. Yeah. And, th- and that was pretty much how, cause there was another class waiting, sitting mm-hmm. with their dogs outside, waiting to come in. Yeah. And yep. yeah, that's exactly what I did. I was like, okay, I need to get out of here. Yep. So that, that's what I'm saying. And I, and I'm not, and that's the hard thing too, is I, I think I would, my suggestion to you, and, and that's kind of, as you can see, I'm painting these pictures of things. I have absolutely no idea. Idea what's happening, but because I've been doing this every day, all day long, I can, I pretty much, you know, I, I can, I can tell you probably what's happening, right? And so, yeah. so what, I guess my point by saying that is, is I, as I understand, it's not easy to say like, okay, class is over at six, let's say, or you know, whatever. So if you're like, hey, I'm having a hard time getting Heidi to the door, so I'm gonna break out 15, 20 minutes early. And I'm gonna wake. I'm gonna work on desensitizing that whole door to car thing. And that's where dogs start to learn that when you're paying attention and you're calm and you're assertive 
and you're, I think it really comes down to accountability at the end of the day. So in group in training class, because that's your, everyone, you know, is busy and they, even if you're retired, some people are still busy with grandkids and projects and volunteering and whatever. But when you're in class, it's all you and your dog. You're paying attention. You're holding your dog accountable. And I think when you go to that door and you're ready to go and your dog flies through, you're like, well, there's a whole group of people waiting to come in and I got to go. So just those are the types of little things that I would uh, encourage you to set her up for more success by just getting creative to say, okay, I'm going to spend these next 15 minutes breaking down the idea that she can pull me to the car. Because if you let her do it the first time, then she'll do it every, yeah, right. Okay. Well, that, that's very enlightening, truthfully. Okay. But it's universal to everything too, just, just so you know. So the, because if you go to the door and she writes out and then you go, ah, what the heck? And you just let her pull you and you're like, ah, crap. Well, we got to go anyway because all these people are coming in and you get to the car and you're kind of frustrated. Right. And you're, you're almost ending on a, on a bad note when really, I mean, I've had people, that's like one of the main things that we work on in my, if you watch my YouTube videos, it's one of the main things that we'll work on usually on the second session as I do thresholds because you don't want your dog to make those decisions because if you let your dog make decisions, then they're, they are driving the ship. So you go to a door, which is a portal for a dog. And this is, I'm not trying to dwell on this one particular thing, but this is the reason why your dog is reactive. You, yep. you going to the door and letting her pull you to the car is the reason why your dog is reactive because if you had the control and you had the no, 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 excuse me, like I pay the bills and you don't have thumbs, so I actually <laughs> am in charge here and you're not, but because, because you get to a threshold or a portal, which is an opportunity for a dog to say, hey, I'm going to take this. Right. So you see another dog. She does the same thing. She does the same. I'm going to handle this. That's a dog. I'm excited. I know that dog. I don't know that dog. I'm going to handle this. So you go to the, you go to the door. There's a lot of excitement and portal. And then when she pulls outside, there's all these, because it's training class, there's potentially other dogs and other people and other smells and pee and poop and yada, yada, yada. So if you let her go right out the door, she goes, okay, inside. Good. Outside, I can be bad. Or outside, I don't have to listen. And so that's the that's the main reason, again, why I work so much on the, I always call it the micro and the macro, so the little and the big. If you let your right. dog pull you out of a situation because they're done, I'm, I'm out of here, mom and dad, see ya, bye, and they just pull you right through and they bark all the way to the car, well, that tells them that, you only care and you're only holding her accountable under certain circumstances, which traditionally would be inside where it's calmer and easier. So there's all, so anyway, so that little exercise of pulling you to the car is, is one of the main reasons why your dog is reactive is because when they see a portal or they see an open window of opportunity of reactivity, or I do what I want, they take it and you just let it happen. And I'm not Mm. saying that you want it to happen. And I'm not saying you don't care, but I'm just saying that if you let her pull you through and you don't go, whoa, 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 and put on the brakes and take her and go back through that door and go back out calmly, that's what's, that's the whole, that's the whole problem. So remember I talked about, there's not just a off switch and there's not just a reason exactly why it's happening. It's all those little things of 
when there's something that I want or there's something that I've been conditioned to do, like bark at other dogs or pull you through a door or, you know, you guys can enter whatever else. If you don't break that down to say, hey, here's how we're going to do this differently, then that's why the reactivity is happening. She sees something, she reacts. Can, can I ask you a question sure. about a situation? So we, we go out the patio door and we make her sit at the patio door. She's got to sit. We step out and then tell her to break and she walks out the door. Mm-hmm. So to me, that sounds in that situation, we have some control. This is when she's going out to pee. So that is some control for us at that point, right? Yeah. Okay. So then we step off the patio. She pees in the backyard. And this has happened to me several times. Mm -hmm. I walk around the corner of my house and... Go right at you, Sal. Well, more so, there's a dog that comes that we don't see when we come around the corner of the house. There's a dog coming along the front. And all of a sudden, she sees them at that point. Mm Mm-hmm. And, and lights off. Now, is the best thing to do is give her a little pop on the collar and say, leave it at that point? Um, yes and no. So I, I would, um, the answer is yes. You can absolutely do that. Yes, you could do that. Mm-hmm. But what what you have to remember is there's other things other than than just just leave it that that is going to be helpful in this situation. Okay. So what I would do is um like the heel command is is essentially teaching teaching a dog to be at your heels. That's what I want you to do. I want you to be right at my heels. And so leave it could be yeah, yeah I mean you could use leave it after we get off the phone and that would be okay. That would be applicable. But just remember this, that every single, and this just goes for general obedience and, and living with animals, is you, if they don't know what leave it is, or they don't know what heel is, or they don't know what sit or whatever is, then it's not going to matter. So whatever you're trying to teach the dog, or whatever you want the dog, so again, just like manners with kids, please and thank you. I mean, right when kids are able to l- hear us talk, we're teaching them manners, right? We're teaching them how to be. And why are we doing that? Because we don't really pride ourselves of our kids being the best preschooler of manners. I mean, that's nice. But the reason why we're doing that is because when they grow up and they become young adults and then adults, right, or puppies to an adult, obviously with dogs it's different because they're animals and they you know, they go a lot faster. But my point is, is the fundamentals of respect and boundaries and discipline and structure is the exact same. And 99% of people out there teach dog or teach humans how to be respectful there's accountability for actions there's consequences you take a break and you chuck it at a friend you're in trouble yeah the kid's gonna cry and be stressed but it doesn't matter because they can't do that we have to teach them through operant conditioning that that's not okay and that's not appropriate but if they do something really good and they do good on their test or they're really polite or they do something sweet they get heavily rewarded right 99 percent of people i think on, on the world parent like that right teaching them so they don't get into trouble and they understand how to respect and they're not running around uh, going 70 miles per hour in, in a busy area because there's kids and we're teaching them empathy and all this different stuff and so with dogs it's very similar so my point is is if you want your dog to be well behaved outside in public you have to teach them manners privately 
So if you, my point is, is you can't say you can say you can say spaghetti and meatballs for all your dog cares, but if you're saying <laughs> if you're saying leave it, you have to make sure that you're also teaching the dog privately what leave it means. And same thing with heal, and same thing with sit, and same things with stay. And a lot of people have unrealistic training protocols. So they get a piece of food out, they hold their hand up, their dog puts their butt on the ground, and we say, yay, good sit, and we pay him, the dog gets up and walks away. Well, that does, what the hell, that's not going to do you any good out in reality. Your dog, same thing with, my dog knows paw and roll over and speak, none of that matters to me, because where is that going to be useful ever in life, right? Like, that's, that doesn't matter. I mean, that's cute and cool, and it's good for relationship building, but it's not going to be beneficial in reality. So if, you, if you're a trick trainer, that's great. But it's not going to help you go outside and not chase a squirrel or not bark at a kid. So you just have to make sure when you say, could I say leave it? I said, absolutely, you can say leave it. But you have to make sure that your dog understands what leave it is. It's not this thing that dogs just, they don't have a DNA that just registers human languages. They don't, they don't, they don't have any idea. Right. And, and I can tell you that we got to the point where when she sees the squirrels or the rabbits dart out of the yard, and she starts to light up for them, and mm. we say leave it. She will stop. She'll Good. stand there and look at them. So then, yeah, use it. But you want to use it for other things too. You but know, it for... doesn't seem to be effective. I, I didn't know if we were applying that correctly with other dogs because it doesn't seem to make a difference with other dogs. Well, there's currency involved, so it it's like oh, I see what you said. You know what I mean? Like so, if you say yeah. leave it to a squirrel. And every dog is different. You say leave it to a squirrel or a bird for like a German shorthead pointer, they may not listen to that. But if you say leave it around another dog, they may be like, yeah, whatever. It's not a big deal. So every dog is different, and you and that's like you have to be versatile. So sometimes the reward is is more valuable than the than the behavior. The dog's more valuable potentially to her than the squirrel or the rabbit. Correct. And then that and then that's where you run into accountability. That's where you run into, okay, if your dog does decide to, so for an example, if your dog knows general obedience, like very foundational baseline obedience, heal, play, sit, stay, leave it, whatever, those general things, that doesn't mean that they're going to necessarily do it out in public. But the, the, the point is, is if you correct them or you punish them or hold them accountable for these actions or these be, or for these lack of uh, behaviors, right? At least it's going to be fair, and they understand what they've done is wrong. So there's this, there's okay. this whole, you know, thing out there of just never telling a dog no and letting them do whatever they want until they just figure it out. Well, ever millions of millions and millions and millions of people have have tried to go down that route, and it's absolutely epically led them to a very bad future with their dog because it doesn't make any sense if your dog does something you have to assertively say that is not okay right when it happens don't spend two and a half years trying to dance around the problem try to just say right when it happens that that is not appropriate and they cannot do that because it stresses them out and it creates more stress in 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 the environment so you just have to make sure that when you're applying these things so that again the difference between the dog and, and and the squirrel is if the dog knows that foundational behavior is accountability so if your dog knows, leave it, and they and you say leave it when there's a squirrel that runs across the street, and your dog takes a deep breath and goes, oh, that's suppression. That is that is you're suppressing a behavior that your dog naturally, primitively wants to do. I am a dog. That is an animal. It's fuzzy. It's it's makes noises and it it's it it's running. I want it. And you say leave it. Your dog says okay. 
I'll leave it, but I really want that. It's a bit of compulsion. It's a bit of suppression. But then when the master distraction comes out where it's another dog, and then your dog goes, I can't take it anymore, and starts to bark, right? And you say, leave it. And they go, no, hold on, mom. I got to handle this. This is, and it could be out of fear or it could be out of excitement. That's That's kind of the spectrum of, it's kind of the difficulties with the spectrum of reactivity in general is because it can be really excited because it's their favorite dog in the neighborhood and they can't wait to play. And they might go, right? And they just get so excited. That's still a, rea- that's still a reaction that you don't want because it's stressful and your dog can't handle themselves. And they go into this, this spiraling, like snap out of it type thing. Or it's a fearful, oh my God, there's a dog and it's alert bark. Right? Either way, it doesn't matter. When you say leave it, and the dog says, nope, not leaving it, got to handle it. You then, because you are the adult, you are the handler, you are in charge, right? It's like, yeah, but it's Mickey Mouse. You don't understand, mom. And then sprints across the parking lot. No, 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 no. We don't do that. And that's where, you know, discretionary assertiveness comes into play, where where are you going to take this? How serious do you need to get? How serious has it been? So when we talk about, let's, let's just, for a perfect example, be recall. So we do recall is something that I take very seriously, which is why I use modern technology such as the remote collar to make sure that if I ask my dog to come back and they know the preliminary foundational, hey, you know what come means and they don't do it, they're going to get punished for that to some degree because it's life threatening. If they don't listen, they could get smoked by a car or they could get eaten by a mountain lion or whatever. Who knows? Yeah. So anyway, my point is, is when you say heal or you say leave it, and they know it, the difference between them listening and not is historically going to be your, your consequences. So if you don't have consequences, right? If you're just like, oh, come on, right? And you have a harness on and the dog is going, roof, 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 you know, all of 80 to 100 pounds of this dog just lunging forward to get to this dog regardless of why, and you're just pulling them back with a harness, squeaking at them with food, not only is it not going to work, but your dog is never going to take you seriously in these moments because you're not asserting yourself. Who wants, who wants a leader like that? Hey, buddy, why don't you come over here instead? No, you're trying to... It, so, so, so I've seen dogs lose a ton of respect in their handlers because of that too. And not only is it, is it my opinion, but I've, I've documented at least 60 of those cases on my channel. So it's, yeah. it's a very big thing. So you just have to make sure that your accountability process is in place as well. But that can only really be fair if the dog understands what you're asking them to do. Unless it's an emergency, then it doesn't matter. You have to do everything you can to not get your dog eaten by another dog or smoked by a car or something at that point. Yeah, I know we got about 15 minutes left here. I'm watching the clock, so... Um. I would say I'm following exactly what you're saying. Mm-hmm. And you, I would say you're spot on, Tom. Yeah. Yeah. And I think the, the one who probably needs it the most is me mm-hmm. because of, of being alone with Heidi for that. It was 15 months. Mm-hmm. I, I, I got to the point of avoidance and then um, COVID hit mm-hmm. that, I went out with her walking in public less and less because, for example, I took her out to go down the street and, and we live in a, we have a large size lot. There's a lot of room between the houses. So 
there's not a lot of dogs walking in the street, mm -hmm. but I met this dog and she went ballistic to the point of, I thought she was going to get away from me and, and go after the other people. Mm -hmm. Thus, I went out with her less and less around people. I would go walking in the dark with her or go to the park and walk on the complete sure. opposite side of everybody. Tom being stronger is a little more, I don't want to, I don't know if adventurous is the word, but he's more willing to walk in those situations yeah. with her. Yep. So I, I know I have it, it increased the issue, issue yeah, with her and I've tried to get better. We were doing private training up until last fall. We had some health issues. We had to stop for a while. Yeah. So life would be much better for me especially and us if we can conquer this and so that's yeah so you just have to practice you have to think about the things that you're struggling with okay so if it's reactivity or healing or whatever that's what you have you have to practice on leave it you have to practice on healing you have to practice on directional changes you have to work on engagement getting your dog to pay attention to you instead of you know, what they want to do. So how do you do that? You know, you use a lot of positive reinforcement. Again, we talk about currency. It's not always about punishment and corrections. It's just normally what people are lacking, which is why I talk about it so often. It's a very small portion of the success of what's going to be on the outcome. Very small. It's just everybody that I work with behaviorally is lacking that. That's why I advocate so much for dog training tools and I and I use uh, and I teach people how to use things properly right I, 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 I very rarely use uh, those types of equipment with dogs who were trained it's just so when I'm talking to you is you have to start focusing on those types of things in order to get better because you're, what you're missing is what I specialize in which is holding your dog accountable and teaching them what they actually need to be doing instead of what they innately want to yeah. do so you have to start working on your healing privately, your leave it privately. You have to work on how, how are you going to get your dog engaged under those currency circumstances of other dogs? What do you have offer? I mean, what do you, if your dog isn't super sharp, which she's not, meaning if you have a dog that is super obedient, like I can take my dog's favorite thing in the whole world, which would be a ball, loves it more than life itself, loves it way more than me, and I throw it, she'll sit there and shake and wait for me to release her. That's the ultimate yeah. control. Right. If you don't have mm -hmm. that, if you don't have that, which a lot of people don't, then you have to start working on, well, what can I offer the dog differently in order to help uh, with the outcome that I want? So mm -hmm. what, you know, what, so you got to teach your dog what, what else to do. So that's where engagement comes in. So you might use a piece of food or you might use a toy or you might use a ball or a squeaker or whatever. And sometimes that some dogs don't care about that. So there's just this whole dynamic of it, it's a lot, you know, you have to. You have to do a lot of different things in order for, for things to be successful. But that's what I would be working on is your obedience and your engagement. And and with two people, can like I've seen how your dogs interact with you on the video. Like right. like you said, sit right next to you and you throw the ball and you can see um You're the center of their attention. You can see is it Lakota is the all black yes. one? Yes. You can see her sitting there just wanting to go. Can you create that engagement with two people? Yeah, absolutely. Because it's just, it's, yes. But, but, but with Lakota, to be fair, 
she is obsessed with toys or or she's obsessed with any reward she could that's why she's so good at what she does as a demo dog for me is because she does not care about any other dog never will doesn't care when when she enters the room she, so i think a lot of dogs are like this but when a dog enters the room there's going to be like a dogs are always looking for something for them what do you got do you got a ball do you, where's the trash do you have any treats? Oh, I smell treats over here. I'm out of here. Where's the tennis ball? Where's the squeaker? They're always looking for, they're like little kids almost their whole life yeah. until they get older. So my point is, is Lakota is different because she's just very obsessed. She's very food and toy object oriented. So when I bring it, when I bring her out, she's just looking for me for what she can do. So my, yeah. my point is, is if I gave you the ball, she'd be the same for you. Mm-hmm. So, so it's, it's not fair to kind of use her as a, as a demonstration just because of that, but you guys have to work on. So if you have a ball or you have a treat that she really likes, absolutely. You can go out and say, Hey, this is what I want you to do. This is how I want you to work. And that's why, you know, some, you have to be on the same page. You have to be using the same or similar equipment. You have to be saying the same thing. Uh, you have to be saying it the same way. You have to be doing all of the things the same. So, okay. You can absolutely have that, but your relationship is going to be different. Obviously, like, okay, with Lakota, my dog, if I get her out and I work her, she's going to look a lot differently for me as she would with you. Home home court advantage type thing, right? Yeah. So it's like driving a vehicle, right? Like if, if you if you stepped into a vehicle that you've never driven before, you're not, you're not, you're not used to, you're going to be able to drive it, but you're not going to be as comfortable. Where's the blinker? Where's the windshield wipe? Where's the defrost? Where's the rear view mirror? You know, all that stuff. You can still operate it. But it, you just have to, it takes a little bit of time to kind of get into a groove where you're like, all right, I got it. Now you know all the bells and whistles and how to move with that vehicle. It's, it's like, I mean, like yesterday, I took her out to this one particular park area and I knew there were going to be dogs around and I wanted to take her out there. Now, is it her, her, what she likes to do as soon as she gets out of the car, when I let her out of the car is it's that sniff and sniff and sniff and she's sniffing everything around. Mm-hmm. And, um, I tried her just at first, I'll let her do that for about five minutes and then we'll go on a nice walk. And what I, I like to do is if I see other dogs around on leash and everything of that nature, mm-hmm. I'll let her see the other dogs. And I can tell when she perks up. And then I'll distract her from that dog and with like either her ball or me in itself, you right, know, right. Um, I'll divert her attention from that to bring, I guess the excitement of now I want to see the dog. I want to go play. So I'll divert her from that with either her ball or like a treat. And I'll, you know, give a pop on the, on the prong collar or I'll tell her Heidi, Treat, and when she hears that, she pretty much, you know, responds to it. But if and I'll try to move after, you know, we'll go after thirty minutes on this walk of doing this. I'll try to get her closer to the other dogs, and um, right, pretty much do the same thing. Mm -hmm. Um, So yesterday, situation wise. Um, I came across three other dogs and I never got closer than 
maybe 50 feet. Mm-hmm. Um, she perked up. She did her thing. She was interested. I let her do that for about a couple of seconds. And then I uh, diverted her attention off from that. So is that the way to do it or? Well, I, I think, yes. I mean, every dog is different and their motivation and their rewards are different. But I here's what I want you to think about when you're doing this is, is okay, so say when you go out and you're near other dogs or you're near the park or anything that's potentially distracting, if you have something on, so for, again, Lakota is a perfect example. I walk into a room with her and there's three or four other dogs. She knows I have a ball on me. It's mm-hmm. all about us. So your goal is try to create this inside job mentality that when you're around these other distractions, it doesn't matter. You're like, hey, look what I got. She's like, yeah, let's go. Frisbee, ball, toy, chicken, beef. Let's go. This is fun. But you you have to, again, everything that, we, that we're talking about has to be created in internally first before you go out and you try to do this in reality right so okay so yeah so when you go out don't think of a distraction necessarily think about a more valuable system that you and your dog can work with think about what matters more to your dog and, and every dog is again every dog is different if you have a very overly social very dog friendly dog that goes to daycare three times a week and you go to a dog park you're you're gonna have a harder time getting them to engage on you with food because the other dogs are going to be more valuable. But if you have right. more of a working dog that is typically more engaged with their handler because of there's external reward systems, then you're going to have an easier job. So you have to teach her maybe in the beginning, like, hey, here's food. Let's do this. She's like, yeah, yeah, this is great. And then maybe you might go outside and use a higher value food to keep up with the environment and create that currency that's more valuable. So when Mm -hmm. you're out and you're handling and you're doing these things, you're trying to say, hey, come. You have the leash in your hand, right? Say, Heidi, come. You're backtracking. Heidi, sit. Yes, good sit. You pay her. She's staring at you. One, two, three. Heidi, come. You you peel backwards. Yes, good come. Bang, you pay. Okay, break. And you give her a break and you let her sniff around. You you have to, your your dog isn't just, you have to be more animated. You have to be more fun. You know, that's all handling, right? But if you go, Heidi, so here's what happens all the time, right? So when we're doing recall, for an example, your dog is on a 30-foot, 15, 60, 100,000-foot, doesn't matter. Your dog is off-leash on a long line, and they're sniffing, and they're smelling, and they're like, ah, oh, this is great, and they're hearing the birds, and they're sniffing the ground, and they're smelling the other dogs, and everything that nature has to provide, and they're having the best time. I think, I think off-leash for most, most pet dogs is just the happiest they'll ever be. So then you go, Heidi, come. Heidi's like, oh, I'm not, mm-mm, that, that's, that's not, that is not as fun as what I'm doing right now. I don't want to come to that at all. So then the dog doesn't come. Heidi, come. Heidi, come. Heidi, come. Heidi, come. Right? Over and over and over. Heidi, sit. Heidi, sit. Over and over. And the dog's like, I'm out. See you later. Force me. Make me. Why would I come to you? Right? So when I do it, I'm like, Heidi, come. And my shoulders are dropped. My voice changes. I start walking backwards. I'm very animated. Come on, come on. Yes, 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 yes. Good, come. They come to me. Bang. They get paid and then break. Break them right back out. So it's all handling, right? right? If I give you a basketball, what you can do and what LeBron James can do are two different things, but it's the same thing. It's the same dog. <laughs> it's the same It's the same dog. It's the same court, but the handling is something that you – so the the development of being a good handler takes time. It's not, yeah. it's not a robotic, 
binary thing. I said come. It's like, yeah, but your, your dog doesn't know come that well, period. And why would they come to you when they're sniffing rabbit poop over here when you're almost punishing them with come? Right. So, you, so, so which, those, those are things to think about. Yeah, which is understandable because Brenda's very good at that inflection of voice and things of that nature. Mm-hmm. Whereas yeah. I'm not. Right. I mean, I 21 years in the Navy, we don't inflect our voice. <laughs> right. You know, we say something and we expect, uh, you know, an outcome. So right. I got to I got to work on that myself. So. All right. The, the last question mm-hmm. I have for you, we had about one minute left. Sure. Yes. We were looking at coming to the three day. Um, yeah. Weekend training you have. And but we wanted to do the phone call first. So yep. if we come to the three day training one after we've worked with her some more, do I interpret the schedule right that? Of day one and day two, we we would get an hour of individual time with you, and then the rest of the time is working with three or four other people that are there. All right, so kind of. Uh, so basically, let's say to make it easy, it's Thursday, Friday, Saturday, which normally it is. Thursday, you'd come at a 9, 10, or 11 appointment, and it would be an hour long. And then, so say you came at 9. You'd go 9 to 10. I'd have a 10 to an 11. I'd have an 11 to 12. Those would all be privates. That's on Thursday. I'd say, okay, we're going to meet all back here at 1.30. Everybody meets at 1.30, and we do a crate and rotate, which means you and two other people, and sometimes if it's nice out, we do four, depending on the space. We will rotate each dog in. So we'll do five to 15 minutes of each dog, and we'll rotate them in and out for the rest of the day, usually until 3 to 4 o'clock. Friday's the same thing. 9, 10, 11, private sessions, meet back at 1.30, we do a crate and rotate. We work dogs together. Saturday is like the graduation day where we all work together um, at my other facility, and we go into group class, and we work all together in one. And by Saturday, all of the dogs and all of the owners are well on their way to to being more successful than, than when they came in, and that's how that works. Okay. And Friday's what? Yeah. What's Friday. Thursday, Friday, Saturday. What's Friday? So Friday, Friday is, is the same. So Friday is the same exact thing as Thursday. Okay. Thursday and Friday are the same exact thing. One hour in the morning, and then create and rotate in the afternoon. Okay. And when you say create and rotate in the afternoon, if we're not in our fifteen minutes and it's nice outside, are we outside with the other people and the other dogs? No. So we're all inside, and all the dogs are outside. All the dogs are going to be in your car, depending on weather. If it's too hot, then they're in the crates in the back room. Okay. It's like a seminar, essentially. Okay. You get your dog out, put the other dog away. You get your dog out, put the, it's a crate and rotate. Think about it exactly how it sounds. Crate, rotate, crate, rotate, crate, rotate. But we get to sit and watch the. Correct. That's the beauty of the course is you, because every single other person is going to be working on exactly what you're working on. And, and, and again, everybody's going to come in with different external problems. My dog is barking. My dog won't come back when they, when called my dog is aggressive towards kids. Every single person is working on the same exact thing because it's all stemming from their internal problems with their dogs and their owners has nothing to do with the external thing. If you come in and your dog is reactive, I'm working on thresholds. I'm working on sit and stay. I'm working on healing. Like if you guys came in and said, Hey, my dog is reactive on the leash. I'm like, let me see what your dog does with you on the leash. And your dog is pulling and dragging and disengaged. I don't care about the reactivity. That is that, that does not matter to me at all. It's like putting a payment down on a new piece of land and then calling the builder and say, Hey, we're ready to pick out windows. Wait a minute. We haven't even closed on the house. We haven't even dug anything The the foundation isn't in. We're not talking about windows for a very long time. 
Do you know what I'm saying? Right. So right, right. that's how it goes. You're working on the people first. Yeah, I'm working on the the actual problem of what's going on, which is right, which nine is times people. out of ten. Yeah, very rare. Yeah, very, <laughs> very, very rarely does a dog come in unless they have again like some sort of genetical retardation, abuse type thing. It will take right. a little bit more time on. Okay, this dog definitely, you know, has has these internal issues because of something else. But nine times out of ten. The dog comes in with this reactive, you know, problem exteriorly, and it has. N- I don't. I don't even touch it until Saturday, right? Because gotcha. there's so much foundation. Again, it's just like I said with the house. Don't don't pick out your shutters until you're, until you're ready. Okay, okay. we're cool. good. Yeah, you good. Yeah. All right. Thank you very much for your time. You're I have welcome, to guys. tell you, your office staff is phenomenal to work with. Oh, I'm glad. Good. Very receptive and very informative. So have good. a great day. Good. I'm glad. You too. Good luck, guys. Maybe we'll see you soon. All right. Thanks, Tom. You're welcome. Bye. Bye-bye. All right, you guys, we've reached the end of the podcast. And as you know, I'm going to be answering three dog training questions from you guys, you listeners at home. Uh, and if you guys want me to answer your specific dog training questions, all you have to do is head on over to the iTunes review page, leave a review, and in the review, you can leave your questions. It's about the only way you can communicate on podcasting. If you're listening to this on Spotify, it would be much appreciated because this is absolutely free for you and it takes some production value on my end to make. If you guys can just simply leave me leave a review, that would be awesome so we can keep topping the charts. Let's get into it. So Luna in Austin, prong collar safety. My 75 maligator is trained nicely. Wow, 75 pound maligator. That's a big, oh well. With a prong collar under the supervision of our trainer. Our trainer doesn't feel like a safety clip is needed, but I'm concerned about the prong collar could pop open. My question is, what is the best type of collar to clip than safety clip to? My dog can be reactive and sometimes tries to... Okay, so the question is, is first of all, I don't sell prong collars without safety clips. I don't think anybody should. I've had clients, um, and I know a bunch of other people who've had dogs, unfortunately, get hit by cars or... Um, run away uh, because equipment can always fail. It doesn't matter what you're using. Prong collar, martingale collar, harness, leash, whatever. Uh, it could fail. And so safety clips, I have them on my website. I'll leave the I'll leave my equipment description in the in the link below, which is just buynobaddogs.com. So I would absolutely buy that. What happens in how to use a safety clip for those of you who don't know? The safety clip, so your leash goes on your prong. And your leash will have a little eye on it, you know, when you're hooking up your leash. It'll have a little, basically a little thing for you to hook up. So you put your safety clip that has a little carabiner, a little tiny carabiner, the size of a Tootsie Roll, (laughs) and you clip that onto your leash. And then it's about mm, three inches, four inches long, little rope. And on the other end is another little Tootsie Roll clip. (laughs) And then you just take that and you clip it onto your flat collar. So I do have a video on my website that goes over that. Um, I would check that out because that's going to be helpful. And I would definitely, definitely, definitely suggest the safety clip. It's a safety clip. So if your trainer says you don't need it, that's like saying you don't need a seat, a seat belt. I guess you really don't need your seat belt, but when you need it, thank God you had it. hundred percent get one. I would, uh, you can, I mean, I would, I would have that, whatever. Okay. Invaluable knowledge and share. Thank you so much for the five-star review, Bria and her pack. Thank you for providing this awesome resources for all of us, and we really want to up-level our relationship with our dogs. What command would you recommend when walking two dogs on a split leash, both at my left side heel, that we are turning left? I'm having trouble specifically with sharp left turns and offering them directional cue. You could use anything. 
literally anything. Um, what command would I use? You could use turn. So if you're working on that sharp, you can just say turn and then throw your hip and your leg out there to let them know like you're changing directions right now. Turn. Um, just That's just what comes to my mind uh, immediately is turn. So thank you so much for the review. I appreciate you a lot. All right, we got another five-star review. Place command from Laurel and Archie. Thank you so much for the review. I appreciate you. Hi, Tom. Hi, Laurel. Me and my dog, Archie, have been training hard, and he knows all of his basics. Recall, sit, hand targeting, down, heel, etc. But the one command we are having trouble with is the place. He will go to the place on his own and will stay, but he whines and cries after a minute. I ideally want to use place for him so I can eat in peace because he knows he know, he know, he's been known to snatch food and beg, and we don't give him human food. I know not to let him out while he's crying. I try to reward him while he's quiet without positive mark or good and give him a treat, but it doesn't seem we are getting far. Any advice? It's a good question. I would, it is difficult when you're dealing with like these whiny things because oftentimes the whiny uh, is going to be very uh, involuntary to some degree. So some dogs, meaning some dogs will whine because they're anxious or some dogs will whine because, you know, they're, they want, oh, sorry. Oh, wow. My computer's a magnet. Holy crap. I just dropped my Carmex thing, which is chapstick on my Apple. And it literally is sucking to my app, my Mac book. Wow. That's crazy. Anyway. Um, okay. So sometimes dogs will whine because they just want attention and it's kind of bratty. So you got to kind of dictate, uh, and, and, and I guess, mm, audit where the whining is coming from. It's probably because you're you're doing this when you're um, eating. So what I would do is pull the place command closer to you. So the further away you are, the more likely the dog is going to whine because they're like, eh, I want to come over there too. It's kind of like the whining I'm hearing out of Archie in this comment or in this question. So I would get the place command closer to you for two reasons. A, I think it'll decrease some of that whining of like FOMO of, hey, I want to be there too. And then B, um, it'll also give you an opportunity to give the dog a little bit of leash pressure if they start to whine. So what I would do is get a little slip leash or even a flat collar. It doesn't matter because you're not really correcting the dog. You're just giving the dog a little bit of pressure for this. Um, so the dog starts to whine and you give a little couple pops, a little bit of pressure. The dog stops and you release your pressure. I wouldn't suggest even marking this or cueing this with anything. I would just give the dog immediate pressure with no attention. Um, the dog starts to whine and you give pressure and then you ignore the dog when they stop. So very clear operant conditioning in that situation. Hey, when you whine, the pressure turns on. And when you when you stop whining, it turns off. I wouldn't even be rewarding the dog. I would just, as soon as he starts whining, pressure, 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 off. Pressure, 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 off. And then slowly start to move your place command over. And if you wanted to get fancy with it, what you could do in the future is you could work on uh, e-collar pressure from a distance and the place command getting further. So hope that helps. Thank you guys so much for listening. If you want me to answer your dog training questions, don't forget to go and leave your review. We got some juicy questions for next week, um, which will be fun. Uh, so make sure you guys catch us next Monday on the podcast. And we have some guests coming on. We have a doctor that I really enjoy talking to, and we have a couple buddies in the dog training field. One of them has never been on. The other one has been on. Um, so we got some guests coming up. That's going to be fun. Change it up a little bit. All right, have a good week. I'll see you guys Monday. Bye. 
Ready for a career in behavioral health? Earn your online degree at Herzing University. Choose from health and human services, psychology, or social work programs. Gain the skills to work, coordinate, and manage nonprofits. Secure a bachelor's in psychology to study mental health or advance your social work career through our online Masters of Social Work. Let us help you become a social change agent. Your future starts now at Herzing University. Text HEALTH to 85109. That's HEALTH to 85109. Or visit herzing.edu. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.